Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Our podcast today is part of a series we're doing to help us all go back to homeschool with more purpose and clarity than we ever had before. What we're talking about today is something that I truly believe almost all of us yearn for, but sometimes even when we really want, seems hard to find because we have to rearrange our thinking so much to make it happen. Jamie Erickson is our guest today. She can be found encouraging and equipping a growing tribe of mothers all around the globe on the Mom to Mom podcast when she's not curating memories, hoarding vintage books, or playing ringmaster to her circus of five blissfully abnormal kids. Jamie's the author of Homeschool Bravely, and she has a new project that she's working on now that we're gonna talk about today. She's an absolutely amazing lady that I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know over the last several years. And I know you'll be greatly encouraged by what she has to say. The Teach Them Diligently podcast is made possible in large part through the help of our partners. So when I mention them on the show, I hope you'll check out what they have to offer and let them know that you're grateful for their support. The organizations that we work with are like-minded and passionate in their mission to better equip families to serve the Lord well. Today's episode is brought to you by Trail Life USA. Trail Life is where boys and men thrive. With more than 40,000 members and nearly 900 troops across all 50 states, homeschool moms and dads are discovering the power of outdoor adventure and badge-based education to engage boys, nurture faith, and awaken a love for learning. Unshackled from the classroom, boys and dads come to life in an environment where faith and understanding grow naturally. Men love the intentional discipleship time carved out with their sons as together they plan, work, serve, learn, and experience adventure together. Relationships grow. Faith becomes real. Leadership is learned and boys grow to be biblically bold, courageous, servant leaders of faith and character. You can learn more about Trail Life at traillifeusa.com forward slash TTD. Again, that's traillifeusa.com forward slash TTD. And now, without further ado, join me in welcoming Jamie Erickson to the podcast. Jamie, it is such a pleasure to have you joining us today. Welcome. It is a delight to be here with you again, Leslie. Thanks for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. You know, it's funny the the things that stick with you through the years. And I, I want to tell a story about the first time that I actually physically met you, because to me, this is how I always think of you. And it's a very good thing. The first time I physically met you, now we had talked, we had kind of engaged a little bit, but we were at an event. I spoke the hour before you and you were coming in after. I was on the front row praying and weeping with the mom there. And I was so late, like I was pushing you so close to your start time. And when I looked up and I was like, just unplug, get my stuff out of the way. Your, your response was so gracious and just, that's exactly what you should be doing. I think you probably would have just set the whole session aside because what was happening there was so important. But every time I think of you, that gracious moment, that understanding of the, the real meaning of why we do what we do is what I always see. And so I appreciate you so very much, Jamie. Oh, those are such kind words. Thank you, Leslie. I actually remember that meeting and I, I can remember your tears and the tears of the other mother and you were doing exactly what you were supposed to be doing in that moment. 
it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing when, when believers get together and can pray and, and engage that way. It's, it's mm -hmm. a powerful thing that it's, it's hard to replicate. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that alongside you and, and a lot of others who equip the homeschool, homeschool community, homeschool mom so very well. Um, so I want you to tell us a little bit about what's going on. I, we're we're going to talk today about a new kind of a new project that you've got. I think it's a new book that you've just released or it's coming out soon. I'm a, I'm a little confused on that. I didn't see that. However, I want you to tell a little bit about your family, what you all have going on, where you are, because I feel like that sets the stage for where we're going really well. Absolutely. Well, um, I am married to my college sweetheart, and he was homeschooled back in the 80s and the 90s, back when it was, you know, practically illegal and super weird and socialization was a real thing. Um, and we have five kids. I was a classroom teacher for years in, in the traditional school. And um, when I married my husband, my, my mother-in-law kind of challenged me to consider homeschooling and through a series of circumstances, God led us to this really unconventional path. We've been doing it ever since. I can't imagine my life um, doing anything else. We have launched our first just a couple of years ago. We have two in high school this coming year, one middle schooler and a sweet little caboose elementary school boy. <laughs> well, that is awesome. So I imagine things get pretty busy around your house. Absolutely. Lots of plates, lots of schedules to juggle. Um, but even in the midst of busyness, you know, we're called as believers to have an abundant life, not a busy life. Mm. And so I've always tried to maintain a sense of purpose, even in the midst of our busyness. Let's like, let's keep our eye on the main thing and not be distracted by all these other things. So that really has helped us hone in on our busyness and make sure that we're we might be busy, but our busy has a purpose. Exactly. And that's so important. And it's, it's so hard to corral. I think I, yeah. it's, it's hard to learn where to put up those fences and, and when to pull back. And even though you feel the stress and the strain on your family and your relationships and your, your, even your, the peace you have in your heart, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a, it's very hard for a lot of us to let go of things and, and find that rest and that abundance that comes from kind of settling down a little. Because we're constantly in our culture, listening to a chorus of shoulds, mm. you know, and um, Americans wear their busyness like a badge of honor. And so we really have to weigh every single yes and no against, you know, the calling that God has put on our lives and not be afraid to give a gentle no. And that's not a word that most people like to hear, but sometimes in order to say a good yes to the things that matter. And, you know, as homeschoolers, we're very countercultural. We're kind of used to swimming upstream and against the grain. So uh, we just need to be better about saying no to the things that are distracting us and pulling us away from the main thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, and I know that you guys have been actively working on kind of refining this skill, for lack of a better word, for really focusing in on what's important, finding more peace and abundance. Tell us a little bit about that journey and, and kind of what it has kind of led to with, with you guys. Right. So I'm originally from the inner city of Phoenix. I grew up there, spent 22 years there. And my husband is from a very small town in central Minnesota. Hmm. And I wish I could, um, I wish I could give you a picture of how just 
absolutely opposite our upbringings were. But I'm sure you can imagine, you know, not just like the temperature, obviously from Phoenix to Minnesota. I've lived the gamut of indeed of you have. But you know, just the inner city life, the busyness where everything's very isolated and singular, um, to this place of familial comfort and relation building and a coziness that is really hard to put a finger on and give words to. But it was a bit of a culture shock when I left Phoenix to follow love all the way to um, his neck of the woods. And literally, we were in the woods <laughs> of central Minnesota. And um, in that first newlywed year, all I can say is every single time I walked into a room, I had this internal monologue playing on repeat in my head. Do you remember that song from like the 1980s Sesame Street? One of these things just doesn't belong here. <laughs> I felt that so deeply. That was my anthem because I was that this just wasn't my culture. Wow. Um, it was a really difficult adjustment, especially because of the weather. You know, I, I live in the near tundra where in winter it can get up to negative four below negative 40 degrees. Wow. But I slowly began to appreciate this cozy, inviting sort of home centered, relationally deep atmosphere in the Midwest. And if you've ever lived or visited the Midwest, you know, hopefully that resonates with you. And what I discovered was that so much of that restful, you know, hospitable posture that I experienced um, was that I was being cocooned in the a lifestyle practice of my husband's family and friends. They're all, you know, Minnesota is a mecca of Scandinavian living. It, it boasts the largest population of Scandinavians in the country. Mm. And my husband is, is one of those. He is mostly Danish with a little bit of Norwegian flow thrown in for good measure. <laughs> and the Scandinavians, because of where they came from, I mean, you think about Denmark and, and Norway and Finland, it's a very cold, dark, some it's been described as bitter and biting. And, you know, the winters are harsh because their ancestors have come from there. They've taken on this idea of contentment, deep, restful contentment that is really hard to you know, for the rest of us to really understand, you have to form, you know, some deep contentment when you are put in those conditions. And so here I was this really naive 20 something from the inner city of Phoenix. And I saw this just comfort, contentment, coziness in my family and friends around me. And what I soon discovered that it that really had a name. These were people who were practicing a, a lifestyle concept that had been passed down for generations and generations to them. And they had been cocooned in all its layers. They knew um, how to live this way in this peaceful, contented um, comfort and to spread that content and comfort to others. And I was just beginning to dip my toe into it, but it was so compelling and, mm. and appealing to me. Yeah, absolutely. I I was making notes. You said so many things that were so beautiful as you went through there. Just the place of familial comfort and the 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 bitter conditions that led to that that deep contentment and peace. I all of that resonates. I mean, I think that we 
we have gotten ourselves as a culture, as a group of homeschoolers who have a fear of missing out that drives us greatly or a fear of somebody think that we're not doing everything that we need to, that drives mm-hmm. us greatly, that that this thought of a place of familial comfort and and contentment and coziness, it it absolutely resonates across the board. Mm-hmm. So, so how... How did you start putting this into practice when it was counter to your upbringing, kind of your experience? Right. So just to put a word to it so we can start calling it for what it is, you know, the Danish people would call this practice Huga, and perhaps you've seen the word, it's H-Y-G-G-E, and, you know, it's because it's a Danish word, it doesn't come so quickly to our tongues, it's not native to us, and so you can also... You know, look at it and think, oh, that must be hug or hide or any number of things, but it's actually huga. And that is the practice that the Danish people have been, you know, living their lives through that lens for centuries. Mm. And for me as an outsider, I knew that my home would tell the story of who I am. And I knew that as people came into my home, I wanted them to experience that same sort of contentment and rest and deep relationships and hospitality and just this overall care that I had experienced so acutely um, when I met my husband's family and friends and just Danish relations here in Minnesota. And so it was, it was a learning curve and a learning process. I I've been married now for over 20 years and I'm still, I would say uh, I I'm in process. I'm still (laughs) learning how to Huga, but what I love most about it is as a believer, I can look at this cultural practice and think, well, that has nothing to do with me because Mm -hmm. it's, it's a quote unquote secular practice. But if you look closely you'll notice that as with so many good things that the world gives us, everything about Huga actually mirrors something that God did first. This is just something that um, the Danish people have recreated in an effort to, you know, just do it themselves, Mm -hmm. but every good thing is from God. And so you can actually peel back the seven tenets of Huga and see how every single one of them is represented in the perfect home, the garden. And it was because of sin that some of that has been displaced and dishonored and, you know, sin, death, and destruction came. And now we have to work harder at getting those things or claiming them or embracing them. Um, But everything about Huga actually does mirror the perfect home of the garden. And then later in our second home, which is found in Jesus, you know, you can look at his life and see how he exemplified those seven principles or tenets of Huga. And so I didn't necessarily need to reject Huga just because it was quote unquote, a secular practice, because really that was just the Danish people giving a different name from what Jesus had already given it in scripture, which is really the abundant life. And, Mm -hmm. and I could use some of these practical Hugely practices to nurture a home where people would feel so welcomed to Mm -hmm. come in and meet Jesus just by being there. Well, it, it, I, I love that. I love how you, you noted that this gives you more opportunity. This, the, 
I, I found that our home is our greatest outreach. I have people in all the time and the way that you make people feel when they are there, it gives you such a platform. And so as believers, how, how do we start really incorporating, what were the things that really changed as you strategically and intentionally started looking at this lifestyle as a way for you to, to show the love of Jesus? Well, I feel like when I finally started to embrace some Hugely practices, and there really are some tangible things that, um, that you can do when you are trying to learn how to Huga. Um, but I feel like when I was finally open to, you know, it, embracing rest in my home and really making that a habit and not just giving lip service, you know, we're called to, to have Sabbath rest, but so often even our rest isn't restful because we tack a list of to-dos onto it. You know, this is how you rest properly. But once I was able to, you know, cast aside some of those inhibitions and begin to huga, I feel like I actually began to live the life that I said I ascribed to. One where Christ was, wasn't just a social accessory, but one where he was an ever-present partner and a ruler of my days. Um, practically speaking, I think I found ways to open my doors more often mm. to my family, my friends, my neighbors, even, even my family that lives within my house. I feel like I was able to create a space where they felt welcome and invited and um, that where they could see Christ lived out and feel the touch of him in, in their lives. I could welcome others with some real scruffy hospitality, you know, the kind where folks feel free to bring their real selves, um, the kind that didn't require me to clean up myself first or demand that you know others do the same. Mm. I think I was able to have my family and friends in in a home that didn't demand perfection of me or them. You know, I didn't have to have the perfect menu, the perfect de decor, the perfect atmosphere. I wasn't just entertaining anymore. I was serving. I was loving. I was sitting and being present and inviting others to draw closer to Jesus. That's that is awesome. Um, you know, even as you were talking, this concept of of yoga, you see it all over. I actually thought it was more like a feng shui type decor yeah. type thing. I, I really thought it was a twist on that. So I'm very curious to see. How, because you even mentioned, this isn't just about, you know, the way that I appoint my home or anything. This is about the way that I use my home as a, an outlet, as a way to, to give others that peace and that love, uh, both those that live within and those that I'm bringing in from without. So, so what changed about your home though, though, how did you start approaching things differently to, to make it more accessible, I guess, to show this kind of, or to live this kind of a lifestyle. Right. And I think, um, I think you're correct in saying that, you know, Hugo, it, it seems like it's just a, kind of like a design aesthetic and it is, you know, it's been hashtagged on Instagram more than like 80,000 times or something like that. Wow. It was a design aesthetic on HGTV. Target.com has a whole Hugo line. And, but that's the world's definition of what Hugo is. You know, they want to shrink wrap it and put it together in a nice, neat, um, purchasable product, but anytime we make it a product, we cheapen it mm. and, and we lessen it. And so while they're at, 
while atmosphere actually is one of those seven tenets creating a an environment that is peaceful and restful it's just one of seven i think practically speaking specifically when you're talking about homeschool i want a homeschool that doesn't feel chaotic yes i want a homeschool where my kids can exhale where it's a place they want to be where we're not um drilled by the ever-present schedule but we have free freedom to chase rabbit trails if we want where there's a noise level that is acceptable and that you know peace kind of dominates and so i think there are some very practical aesthetic things you can do not just in your home but in your homeschool if you're looking for a way to make your homeschool a bit more hugely the first being, you know, so often as Americans, we think to make an atmosphere, you have to add something to a space as if atmosphere is a space, but it's actually a feeling when you step into a restaurant and you rate it on atmosphere, you're not asking, you know, do they have booths and chairs? Do they have lighting? Of course they do. That's a restaurant. That's what restaurants have. The atmosphere that a restaurant gives you is a feeling. What kind of tone is this place setting? And it's kind of the same thing with our homes. Um, we want to set a good atmosphere. So when you think about atmosphere, you can think about not just your sense of sight, what you visually see, you can think about all five senses and how really to make a peaceful atmosphere, I don't really have to add anything to my space. I don't have to make it just visually appealing. For instance, you know, we're as we head into the season of fall, it's really easy for all of us to grab, you know, the pumpkins and the fall leaves and the tablescapes. And we're adding all this clutter to our house in an effort to make it feel like fall, right? But guess what? It is fall, mm. whether we add a, you know, a pumpkin to our table or not. Actually, I would say God is, is a expert designer. And he doesn't just add color to his space either. He adds texture, he adds smells, he adds sound, he adds taste. And so when you think about trying to create an atmosphere in your homeschool, don't just think about adding things, you know, designing the homeschool room that has every single learning poster on the wall and every single, you know, science manipulative out and, and at the ready. That's just adding clutter to your space. And it's actually not just cluttering your space, it's actually cluttering your mind, which then can clutter your soul to some extent. You just feel ill at ease and so do your kids. So some thoughts would be instead of adding a thing, a tangible visual thing, put a small playlist together that quietly wafts through your home, some classical music, some calming music that just sort of sets the tone. It's the difference between, you know, like if you're, if you're listening to something with a really heavy, loud beat, it gets you agitated. Mm -hmm. So what would be the opposite of that? listen to something calming and quiet. And so I often have, you know, cello music playing in the background of my home, not because I think, you know, that'll make us extra smart or somehow we'll be geniuses just by listening to cello music, but it just sets a tone. It calms us. Um, I often have lovely scents wafting in my home that are seasonally appropriate. So, you know, if you're really into essential oils, get some that smell seasonally appropriate. And even that does something to calm you or to invite you into the, the season, the moment you're in. And let me just pause here and say, 
Huga is seeped in seasons. You know, if you think about the Danish people, they live in winter so very long. Here in Minnesota, we live in winter so very long. And so anytime we have a season change, we want to appreciate it and value it. So the Danish people live in the present season really well because that's the season that God has given them for this time. Mm. So, you know, if getting back to, you know, how to design your homeschool room. Uh, so you have, you're adding sight, you're adding sound, you're adding texture, you know, a warm, inviting, um, cozy blanket, as opposed to another poster on the wall of a, a learning idea or another school manipulative. Add a couple of cozy, comfy pillows in the learning space instead of such hard edges. So you're just setting a feeling as opposed to just putting things out, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, as you started into that, the, I was forced to think about the fact that when our space is chaotic, when things are out of place, when I feel like things are out of control, I am very chaotic inwardly, which is always going to trickle down to everyone else in the family, because as goes mama, so goes the rest of us. Right. And it's, this is one of those reasons why I think it's so important for us to understand our goals, our mission, why we're doing what we're doing, so that it directs our decisions on a lot of those smaller things like what posters and manipulatives to buy. What, you know, if I am going for relationships, if I'm going for the hearts of my children, I want to set up everything in my space, everything that I am using, everything around me to facilitate my having good conversations and building deep relationships and spending warm time together and and removing those things that cause the chaos and the turmoil and you know we're constantly shifting things from one place to another because they we've got too many things in too little space so I, that knowing your mission has to inform this greatly i love how you said you know that will that whatever outward chaos you have will will affect you inwardly and that actually is one of the two basic foundations of huga hmm. your outward life will always affect your inward life. And that is something that Jesus believed and lived out too. You know, when you think about his ministry, more often than not, now I'm not saying every single time, but more often than not, he met the need in someone's hand before he met the need in their heart because he understood it, it's going to be really hard for this person to hear the truth that I want to speak to them in their life when all they can hear is their stomach growling. Hmm. So he often met their physical need because your outward life will always affect your inward life. And after me meeting that physical need, then he shared the spiritual eternal life with them. Yep. Amen. Amen. Well, as we're all kind of looking forward to going back to homeschool, because um, really, whether you whether you school year round or you take a break, there's something about the end of July, 1st of August, you're kind of getting back into kind of the new the new year with everybody else. So as we're all looking at getting back to homeschool and so yearning for this relational, calm, restful, peaceful life that we so so want to give our children, we want to pass that along and kind of stop this, this hamster wheel that we've all been on for so, so long. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that, you know, kind of going into this, we can set ourselves up for a really, really good, peaceful homeschool year? 
That's such a great question. I, I would say my first answer is to set some boundaries on your learning spaces. You know, I'm a firm believer that our home is a home. And we happen to do school here, we happen to do life here, but I don't want my home to look like a school because there's something valuable about the home I wanted my kids to have. Otherwise I would have just sent them down the, the street to the brick and mortar school. So I'm a firm believer that, you know, a home should still look like a home even though school is happening there. And so set some really firm boundaries about like, when you're doing a project, your project isn't going to spill out into our living spaces and sit there forever. I actually um, had my husband get a, a used. It's very rickety. It's got a lot of, we'll call it character <laughs> um, table. And it sits off to the side in my um, living room. And that's the project table. And that it's perfect because my kids feel welcome to make a mess to ding up the table, to spill some paint. You know, it's, it is a project table, but it's set out of the way. So that way they're invited to do the project, but it doesn't have to spill over into our living spaces because I want my home. I want everyone who enters my home to feel welcome and that they have a place there. And if I let homeschool just sort of vomit all over my house then I'm not really creating a very warm and inviting space for my friends and neighbors who I want to be able to welcome in, in my doors. So I would say set some boundaries, you know, obviously you homeschool. So in some ways, books are going to be everywhere and you might have a poster or two on your wall, but, but think creatively. Maybe it's a matter of putting it all in one room or having some strict goals at the end of the day, we're going to put these things away. I know when we started homeschooling, my husband bought at a thrift shop, a really old China hutch, painted it up and all our school things are in there. And because it is a piece of home furniture, when you look at it, you have no idea that behind those cupboard doors is a whole mess of school yep. waiting and ready to tumble out because I want my home to look like a home. Well, and I love that you, the way that you're approaching that, because so many people that I talk to are so concerned because they don't have a school room. I never had a school room. We did school mm -hmm. all over the place. But like you noted, there's something that's so important about putting school away. There has to be an end of the day to eat, not just from an aesthetic or a welcoming uh, perspective, but also, you know, if you leave it out, it's like it just constantly goes on and weighs on you all the time. Whereas having a place, like you said, you've got your cabinet. We used a myriad of different things and strategies through the years. But having a way to shut it down, put it away, and then transition into whatever else the day awaits you um, is a really powerful thing. Right. And I'm not saying if you have a, a school room, you know, you're doing it all wrong. But I guess all I would uh, mention is... Learning should happen at any, any place, any time. And your kids need to know that learning isn't just for a certain hour of the day or a certain space in your house. Learning happens always. And by allowing school to happen in your home, you're saying learning can happen. You're, you're basically reiterating that with your posture. And I think that that really does build into the idea of creating lifelong learners. They're not inhibited by this 
um, sort of internal mindset or they don't get conditioned to believe learning can only happen here in this space during right. these hours. And so in inviting learning into all of your home, I think you're really um, practicing what you preach. But then with that, you have to be mindful to not let school take over your house if right. you're if you're hoping to have a peaceful house. Well, and that that's the difference between the learning and the schooling part. The learning right. happens all the time, but I wasn't I I didn't want to expect my children to always take everything they were learning and put it on a worksheet. We put all of that stuff yeah. away. And there's a, so much freedom in actually setting that aside. We're done with that. And then we go cook together. We go play together. We go take a hike together, whatever it is, and learn all kinds of more stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was without all of the, the collateral materials that we have for the act of home education. Absolutely. So I guess to, just to sum up, to answer your question, find ways, take this time in the summer in July and August to find ways to create an atmosphere. Remember, that's not a place necessarily. That's a feeling um, that really capitalizes on the home part of your home school. Amen. Amen. Well, Jamie, we are getting low on time, but I want you to tell us about your book and and, you know, what what can we where can we find it? What can we expect to take away from it? Well, it's called Holy Huga, Creating a Place for People to Gather and the Gospel to Grow. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that it will exhort women to start seeing their homes as a backdrop for kingdom building. And, and obviously, as homeschoolers, we kind of have a little bit of a head start in that. Um, but I, I hope it'll give women some tangible tools to nurture a garden-like home that reflects the one whose spirit is making a home in them. Because as believers, God welcomes us into his work, and then we get to invite others. You know, he passes that baton on to us, and we are his ambassadors. So Huga isn't necessary, but I think it really does help. Oh, and I okay. hope that this book gives you some tangible tools to get that going. It sounds like it. Um, this has been just a joy uh, I think it, it has got to have been a great encouragement, a lot of hope giving to the, the moms and dads who are listening that, you know, you didn't make it sound hard. It doesn't sound like this is a treacherous journey. These are little tweaks that you make strategically to line up your mission with your daily life. And I think that that is something that we all should lean into more and more. Yeah. Who doesn't want more peace in mm. their life? Who doesn't want more calm? Who doesn't want to feel invited and be willing to invite others? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jamie, as always, it has been a great pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Leslie. You're so welcome. And to everybody else, thank you all for tuning in. I know that this has been an encouragement to you. I hope that you take some time to really evaluate your space, your mission, your goals, how all of those things line up and what kind of an atmosphere you're creating for your family, for those outside of your family, for those that you're trying to bring in and for learning to happen in a peaceful, godly environment. This is a concept that I think we're all gonna wanna read more about. So look in the show notes, I will click to, or I will give you a link to click to find Jamie's book, but also to um, engage with her on her website, on her social platforms and all of that. Cause you wanna get to know Jamie a lot better in the days ahead. Have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon.
joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, Check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.